Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. We have an incredible guest today, a person who has contributed so much to Midnight on Earth, not only as a guest early on episode three, but also as the continual, it seems, guest co-host of our lecture episodes and also the Beyond the News episodes. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is in-house. It's the one and only Bryn Anderson of Vital Force Herbs. It's very exciting. I'm so glad she's here. And we're going to talk to her, of course, about herbalism because that's how she came on this show as an herbalist and then, you know, continued in other areas. And we're going to talk to her, of course. But first, I need you to do something for me every time. You don't mind, do you? No, I don't think you do. Go to bluecobracbd.com. That is bluecobracbd.com. And there you will find blue cobra CBD oil, literally the highest quality CBD oil that you can purchase like on the market. Why is that? I'm going to tell you every single time, or maybe this is the first time you've heard it. The CBD that is in the oil is extracted with the hit extraction method that was developed by a man named Howard Hitz, an incredibly cool guy, great friend of mine. And it is a proprietary extraction method, meaning nobody else has it. It's just Howard. There's no chemicals. There's no solvents. There's no gases in the extraction process. It's 100% natural. People, all the other CBD products may be using things that you would not normally want to have put in your body. And that CBD is derived from 100% organic, 100% Oregon grown hemp. I've seen the hemp. I'll say it every time. I've seen it. It's amazing hemp. We might have the best hemp in the world in Oregon. And speaking of 100%, If you are in the continental 48 United States, you get 100% off your shipping on any order if you put in the Midnight on Earth Blue Cobra CBD discount code. And that is M-I-D-C-B-D. M-I-D-C-B-D. You put that in the discount box on checkout. You get free shipping in the continental 48 states. I'm sorry, Alaska, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, and all the places in the world that uh, can't take advantage of that. However, you can still order an international listeners. Please check your country's laws. But if you can get this, there really is nothing else like it. Every morning I have a breakfast shake. I put stuff in it. I put iodine, put selenium, I put copper. And 
Blue Cobra CBD oil. And I absolutely love it. And of course, like I brought up last episode, the entourage effect. You take the oil. If you're legally able to uh, smoke some cannabis uh, with THC, that combined what they call in the cannabis profession, the entourage effect. So you have that entourage effect. So everyone, please go check out bluecobracbd.com. That is bluecobracbd.com. And when you're done with that, follow us on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow us there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, please click the button that connects us so you always know what's going on. And it somehow functions with the uh, grand algorithm that we always talk about. These algorithms. Uh, Yeah. So (laughs) please do that. And also, most importantly, please tell a friend that you know that loves these type of podcasts that wants to know about herbalism and other things that we talk about midnightonearth.com all right i told you about blue cover cbd we got the social media shout out out of the way bryn anderson is here and we're going to read her bio just like we do every guest even though she's been here over a dozen times as a co-host but she's here as a guest as she originally was. Here's her bio. Lifelong lover of all things nature, Bryn Anderson has been studying herbs for over 27 years. Her natural mindset has led her to a life of herbology and a life of teaching. She operates the company Vital Force Herbs, an organic herbalism company based in Portland, Oregon. All of the products Bryn creates are made with ingredients grown in her own organic garden. Not only self-taught in all aspects of herbalism, she's also taken trainings in evolutionary herbalism and traditional Western herbalism. Bryn's service is rooted in providing an outlet for the plant spirit to assist all life on Earth. And she wishes to guide all humanity to a new understanding, the world around them, and the bountiful medicinal gifts of the earth. Wow, I love that. Bryn, hello. You're here again, but this time as a guest. How are you doing today? Great. How are you? Thanks for having me in this capacity. This is a different vibe than when you're here as a guest co-host. You have integrated yourself into the podcast, but originally... You go back all the way to episode number three. Episode three. And there will be Bryn Anderson of Vital Force Herbs. So great to have you back again in this capacity as herbalist. Indeed. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about herbs. We need to help. Uh, Let's let's talk about something else. Okay, fine. Politics. No. Just kidding. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Okay, fine. Let's talk about herbs. Let's talk about herbs. Uh, The awareness of plant medicine, this plant consciousness is really taking a hold in mainstream consciousness. It seems that with the psychedelics becoming 
fairly legal and a lot of them being uh, natural in nature. (laughs) Uh, It's guiding people to search out other forms of plant medicine and into the realm of herbalism. So what do you think about that, Bryn? People are now getting back into this consciousness, this awareness of these natural healing substances. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's happening now more than ever. I think it's a really crucial time where we have spent many, who knows how many years picking the world apart and it's time to put it back together. And I think plants are going to help us do that. So plants are helping us evolve in a way. They're taking us back now that we've expanded out into the world of technology. We're now going back. Man, these ponds are all over the place. These, we're going back to our roots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and integrating that uh, earth consciousness through the plant consciousness, you think? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's really the only way that we are going to evolve is, you know, we have spent so much time compartmentalizing everything, even the parts of a plant down into their constituents and their chemistry and their biomes and all these different things. And now it's time to look at the plant as a whole and the person as a whole and the planet as a whole, as all living beings living in um, synergy together. Yes. So uh, taking a holistic approach really to everything and really bringing that earth-based perspective back into play in our daily lives to have that natural spirit, that earth spirit in our consciousness as we decide how we heal ourselves, how we expand our consciousness. It's also, it's in our toolbox, so to speak. What do you think about that? Yeah, it is in our toolbox. There are so many modalities and frameworks that herbs work really well with. And so it's, easy to, you know, take whatever is comfortable for you, whatever you are familiar with, whatever you're interested in, as far as healing goes, um, and daily life as well. And plants will fit into that. Um, Plant medicine fits into all of that. So plants and these herbs, they're all over the earth and there's so many that (laughs) have an effect on the human body. Mm Mm-hmm. How is that possible to someone that is disconnected from the natural mindset? How would you explain that to someone that had never really approached herbalism in their lives and they're trying to understand how these different plants are able to heal and do other things that help us grow? What would you say to a person that is new to this type of thinking? Well, I would probably start with that all of the things that we use as far as pharmaceutical medicines, as far as our fabrics and textiles, all of those things have originated from plants. So if you are, you know, taking some sort of anti-inflammatory, it came originally from the intelligence of a plant that had an inflammatory an anti-inflammatory action. And then that was synthesized in a chemistry lab and turned into a little white powder and put into a pill form. But the original intelligence of that idea 
was from the plant, which then somehow inspired the person to figure that out. So, I mean, you could take any number of examples. um, If like you said, you're talking to someone who's like, how could that be? How could plants do that? All of our medicine came from plants. Um, It's only been in our most recent history in the industrial revolution that we started to synthesize and, you know, make those compounds into something that is not looking like a dandelion leaf or um, an oak tree or whatnot. So prior to the industrial revolution, you're saying all of our medicines came from nature. Yeah. I mean, yes, I would say that. I would say that that was a huge time of um, reducing things to its parts. And so that was when plants were really picked apart. I mean, I think it happened in small ways before that. I just think that was sort of one of those quantum leaps of time when things moved from the natural world into um, the more synthesized world and moved from more of a heart-based thinking into our head-based thinking where we're, you know, thinking about all the constituents, constituents and, you know, science parts of it rather than more the intuitive holistic part of it. Well, you know, the first drug was discovered in 1804 and the first drug that was synthesized was around 1869, I believe. And prior to that, like you're saying, it was all, Natural. It was all natural situation. And it did take humans, of course, like Bryn was saying, to the industrial revolution era to really have the machines and the mass production capabilities in order to get these drugs out there to millions of people, even then. But before that, it was all nature. So these things do we have these this this genetic memory, this cellular memory of these things having an effect that there's external solutions to internal problems and we've which is fine because they're coming from nature and it's a natural experience somehow over time we've shifted that into having drug companies and pharmaceutical companies be that external healing force guided by our pseudo shamans the doctors and nurses of modern hospitals. So it is really interesting that it did have its roots there. But what about the energy behind the herbs? Like, how would you explain that to someone if they were a total lay person and they didn't really grasp these concepts? Like, what would you tell them about that specifically? Everything has energy, everything is energy, everything has its signature, its frequency. Um, that may be really difficult to explain to someone that, you know, doesn't see things that way. Um, I think that a plant has intelligence the same way that a human has intelligence, that an animal has intelligence, that a river has intelligence, that a mountain has intelligence. It's all of a divine nature that comes from the light of the sun. We're all here on earth. We're all being fed by the sun and the plants are, they take in the sun in its most raw form and convert it into the energy, which then we all use um, to make our energy. And so I think that you could probably meet someone on that level and talk about how that there is 
really the most basic raw life force in a plant um, that we're all operating on on this earth. We wouldn't be here without the sun. The plants wouldn't be here without the sun. We wouldn't be here without the plants. And so in that way, that's kind of the spark of that energy. And the life force rejuvenates you, you're saying? Absolutely. I think that, you know, all plants are taking in the sun, but they all take it in in their own specific, unique way. And so the way that it fuels their life force is then complementary to our own signatures. And so if a plant, let's say I, I said dandelion before, that's a really common thing that grows between the cracks in the sidewalks and behind the, you know, the grocery store or whatnot. Um, dandelion is a liver remedy. It is really helpful for moving toxins, for um, toning the liver, for helping with bile production, all of these various um, elimination and toxin regulating things. So the way that dandelion takes in that sunlight and uses its own special vital force is to be complementary to the human liver. Also, a dandelion has deep tap roots. It can change soil composition if it's growing in a place that has really poor soil. If you see an abandoned yard, you might see hundreds of dandelions and there may be no nutrition there. If someone tried to grow a garden, it wouldn't grow very well. It's next to a concrete wall in the shade or, or whatnot. So dandelion has the special capacity to bring up nutrients from the bottom. And then maybe the next year you might see other plants growing that have different nutrients and different capacities. And it all functions as this whole organism on its own. And then each plant has that special power to complement what's going on with our bodies and, and what part. Um, but humans then in time have grown to learn how to use these plant medicines over time. Not, not just the psychedelic ones, like I'm saying over time, different regions on earth have created their own systems for processing this herbal information, how they work, how it affects the body, what are the long-term effects. All of these data points are being processed differently by different cultures mm -hmm. in different regions. So talk to me about, tell me about the multiple frameworks and systems that are out there. Oh, there's so many. There's, Let's talk I about mean, it. <laughs> if you just, you know, make... If you just start with the two, there's Western herbalism and Eastern herbalism, and then you can go down and make yourself a little chart from there. Um, there's the Ayurvedic system uh, from India that's thousands of years old, if not more than thousands of years old, um, which is really interesting because Ayurveda has continued to develop since its inception. It's never really taken a break. And so it's a very deep knowledge that doesn't just cover herbs, it covers the entire body. Ayurveda covers every facet of human life and life on earth with the plants as co-creators, if that makes sense. 
Now, the Western herbalism tradition, and, and that's just one, Ayurveda is just one of the Eastern traditions. There's also Chinese medicine. There's the Unani Tib of the Arab world. There's, um, you know, so many different facets. In the Western world, there are also many different variations. There's Paracelsus in 1500s. There's the Thompsonians. There, there's so many different avenues in Western herbalism. One interesting difference is that during the time of the witch hunts, herbalism in the Western world kind of came to a grinding halt and had to go underground. Ooh. And so that really made a difference, I think, in just what we've been able to learn and learn from the plants themselves. Also, our genetic memory, I believe, is a little different. Um, just looking at, you know, a culture that kind of had to go underground and use the plants. Secretly. So you're saying Western herbalism went underground because of the persecution of Things like the Salem witch trials and other just general persecution of yeah of the nature oriented nature oriented people yeah absolutely so there's a different you know there's a different signature there of of a framework that was allowed to continue versus one that had to go underground for a while. What's really great and what really speaks the truth to me about herbalism is that no matter what framework you work with, um, and I'll just throw in really quick. Um, that astrology has also been complementary with herbalism. There's a whole system of plants and planets and how, you know, different plants that are helpful for the different signs of the Zodiac and different, you know, there's Mars plants and Venus plants and all of these different things. Um, but it doesn't matter whatever framework you know or what lineage you come from or what country you live in, whatever's familiar to you or even interesting to you, if you lay them on top of each other, they really all come down to the same thing. And that is the light of the world, the intelligence of nature, um, working in balance with the heart and the head. The beautiful thing is that it doesn't matter which framework you choose to work with. They're all complementary. It's about the plants and the people and the earth all and their connection and whichever framework you put in between that will work for you. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So there's these different systems. You try to find the one that just really speaks to you, I would say. Or more than one. You can use multiple. Right. And then maybe all of them, if you want to find the one that speaks to you or maybe just create your own. Why not? Right. There's <laughs> herbs. Find there's the endless frameworks. I'm because sure. Because the herbs themselves do have a general fact. We've deduced as humans over time that each herb has a specific effect and, and and it is translatable into all the different systems. There's really nothing that's specific. There's no effect of an herb that's specific to a system. They're just how the different systems are, how they interpret the effects of the herbs. Correct. And you could look at any number of herb books and you could open it up to actions, herbal actions. And you could have 25 different herbs that say, Alterative, 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 diuretic, diuretic, diuretic. Their herbs have, most herbs have more than one action. They have multiple actions. They have multiple functions. They have multiple specialties. And so it's more about then looking at what your specific body and constitution needs in order to pick which herb is going to dance with you best. I see. So... With this 
new interests, or I should say expanded interest into plant medicines and all the different aspects of plant consciousness in the psychedelic sense. I know that you like to talk about, and you've actually talked about this previously on this show, is that all plants are entheogenic and psychedelic, even though there's certain ones that are more psychedelic, I guess you could say, than others, or just in a different speak way. louder. Yeah, what do you think about that? I think some plants speak louder than others, for <laughs> sure. That's a, a quick way to say it. But what do you mean they're all entheogenic and psychoactive? Like, tell me about that. I think that all plants can provide profound healing. I think that all plants can provide a an experience that is out of this world um, in the way that you might think of a psychedelic taking you out of your body, out of your head, take you to the moon. I think that you can do that with a rose or with lemon balm. Um, I think it's about your intention and I think it's about your desire and willingness to listen to what that plant has to teach you. Um, sitting with plants is a really amazing way to enter into that space. One of my favorite herbalists, Stephen Herod Buner, has written a lot of books about sitting with plants and what he calls the dream time. And that when you slow yourself down into a meditative space and sit with a plant, that you're actually able to enter the same frequency that that plant is operating on and have an experience, a very real experience, just like you would on psychedelic mushrooms or ayahuasca or whatnot, though you might be sitting with an everyday plant in your yard. So you're sitting with a plant like lemon balm or drinking some tea of some very like uh, rare herbs or some really tasty herbs, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And you tap into that spirit of that plant, just like when you're smoking cannabis, you tap into the spirit of cannabis. Right. And that's what you're doing. Hundreds of thousands of times (laughs) in my life. But yes, you can do that same thing with any plant you're saying. Yes. You can tap into the spirit of that plant. That's uh, what you're doing. And also on a lesser level, maybe not so esoteric is just that imagine if you are not ever sleeping well and you're not ever getting a good night's sleep or you're so stressed that you're always in an adrenalized state. So your quality of life is going to be much different than if you are sleeping and in a more parasympathetic state. So if you start taking a plant, say this uh, favorite example, lemon balm here, that has a signature of calming the body, calming the mind, easing nervousness. Um, Lemon balm is a joyful plant. Every herbalist I've ever talked to says that when they think of lemon balm, they think of joy. They think of simple, happy things. It's the bright lemony smell, perhaps. Um, The sweet way that it pops up everywhere. It it has a, a joy signature to it. So if you are in this adrenalized or sleepless state and you start communing with lemon balm every day, just through tea. Maybe you're not in deep meditation. You're not, you know, having a profound experience with lemon balm. You can still 
change your frequency just a little bit and then a little bit more. And down the road, maybe in a week or a month or six months or a year, you are a different person than before you took that lemon balm. And you've learned things about yourself and you've noticed how you sleep better. You've noticed how you feel when you're calmer. And then you're able to think different thoughts and make different choices. And in that way, to me, is just as psychedelic as that profound 15-minute or 6-hour or 12-hour experience um, that you might have with a plant that speaks louder. Yeah, wow. You know, the thing is, is uh, it's pretty amazing when you put it that way because we're always consuming different types of herbs in our lives, whether we realize it or not, especially if you're a person that tends to lean towards eating naturally and living a natural lifestyle like myself. And I know Bryn Anderson is that way. You might have these herbs coming into your consciousness constantly. So does that mean there's like a, like a clown car full of plant spirits, like with you all the time. There's like 35 people crammed in your little aura. Like, what do you think about that? I do. And you know what I think? Um, and I've talked about this with other herbalists and my teachers as well, is that the plants that speak to you are the ones that are around you. Start looking around you. Start looking at where you live. Look at the environment that you live in. Do you live in a forest? Do you live in the desert? Do you live in the jungle? And then now look closer. What plants are in your yard? What plants keep popping up? What plant did you trip over yesterday? Those are the plants that are saying, hey, you know, you should check me out. Uh, you, uh, Your liver might be happy or you might sleep better or I just want to hang out with you and, and uh, your heart might feel better. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, I do love, as everyone knows, I love the spirit of cannabis. It's an incredible plant. Absolutely love it. Uh, it speaks to me. It speaks to me. I trip over it sometimes. <laughs> I. It seems to always be around me. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. It must be meant for me. I, I, I feel like we're, we're one. Well, there are <laughs> plants like that. And you know, there's probably other plants because cannabis does speak louder than some. There might be other plants that are quietly calling your attention as well. Um, so, you know. You know what the cannabis spirit says to me sometimes? I couldn't, I hey, couldn't guess. Hey, you want to go smoke a joint? Ah, yeah, what is uh, the nettle plant say to you? Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't listened to that one yet. Let's go hang out. I want to hang out with the nettle. You should try. <laughs> but tell me then some of the other effects. Okay. So you talked about a, a lemon balm a bunch, but let's talk about some other kind of different herbs that you can sit with and connect with the spirit and it has an effect. Like I know you said all of them, really all of them, but what all are some of, of the primary ones that, that are really loud, loud, but not as loud as how about that? <laughs> I mean, I'll list some of my favorites, but it is all. Okay. Of them. There you go. It is all of them. I can't say that there are better ones than not better ones. Um, I really love Holy Basil, also known as Tulsi. It's a plant from India. There are a few different varieties. Tulsi is warming and a little bit spicy. It has an aromatic quality. It's wonderful for the immune system. It's wonderful for calming the nervous system. So many different qualities this plant has. But to me, 
I think Tulsi can be a really helpful ally for someone who is looking to find their center, but also likes to be in their head. I think it helps unjumble things. It's also warming and great for being in the cold a lot. If you live in cold places, if your circulation is not the best, and if your immune system needs a jump. So those would be some of the more physical things. Um, Tulsi as a spirit is a really sweet friend that is pretty much there literally whenever you turn around, you can find her. So that's my personal experience. Even though Tulsi, I do not live in India. It's not a, I do not live in an environment where it is naturally growing everywhere around me. I have some in my garden, but that's, you know, something I planted in my garden from seeds that came from someone who got them from India originally. Um, Some of the more local plants that I absolutely adore, uh, rosemary, rosemary, probably whoever you are out there, you can find rosemary. Um, It's a Mediterranean plant, but has been happy to live most everywhere in the world. I've seen it in the desert. I've seen it on the mountaintop, maybe not the mountaintop, but in the mountains. Uh, Rosemary is there for your brain and your heart. It is a primary circulatory stimulant, not like coffee. Um, It provides oxygen. Well, a lot of this sounds... uh in a way similar to astrology. And I know that there's an astrological component to this type of thinking. There to, is. So, so tell me about that. <laughs> so I can only say I'm a very beginner on this road. I've been learning it for a few years, but still feel like a very beginner. Well, you only have to be a couple steps ahead of someone else to teach them. So don't worry Correct. about that. You're no, fine. not worried. Three Just, years uh, is an incredibly long. <laughs> I mean, that's almost a bachelor's degree. So you're doing right? good. Go ahead. Doing good. So yeah, uh, plants and planets. There is a system that was developed way back. Um, Paracelsus was definitely... Um, part of this whole system. Also, Culpepper, Nicholas Culpepper, um, was one of the the people that helped to kind of write the system down. Um, but plants all have corresponding planets and zodiac signs. And so in the medical astrology world, there's this whole world of astrology that is called medical astrology, and it is based on planets and signs having corresponding organs or organ systems. And so I'll give you a really quick, easy example. Um, Your heart corresponds to the sun. Your heart is the center of your solar system, your body. Does that make sense? So then rosemary is a sun plant. It primarily helps circulation of the heart to the brain. So there's these sort of simple correlations. Mugwort is a plant of the moon. It's silvery. It glows in the moonlight. It is a plant that people take for dreams. It corresponds to the sign of cancer, um, which is a which is ruled by the moon. So there's, I mean, I, really fascinating, I could go honestly. on tangents forever, but I won't. You should definitely look into it if you're interested. Yeah, No, but, we can um, go on tangents. So, we take breaks. 
Nettles. Nettles is ruled by Mars. Nettles has formic acid needles in its leaves that if you touch it, you will sting. Ow. Mars is uh, the planet of war. Mars is the planet of drive. Uh, nettles will drive toxins from your body. Nettles will purify you. Um, there's, there's so many different correlations between the plants and planets, which is a total rabbit hole. You could get lost in it forever. Um, but that's the tip of the iceberg. Wow. So there's an astrological component. Uh, there's the earth energy. There's the natural component. Of course, it's all connected. Just because we're on this planet, spherical object, the Gaia spirit, our mother here, it doesn't mean we're also not intimately connected to the rest of space and everything else that's out there. We're just as connected. We're just kind of in this bubble. <laughs> yeah. Literally, we're in this bubble called Earth. There is a beautiful quote. I wish I could remember it perfectly as it is, but it's something like plants are the stars that fell from the sky and came to Earth. Wow. So that that thought of how it's all one system. It's it's where we're at. Our perspective is here on earth. So we're taking these earthly medicines in order to expand our consciousness and in order to further our spatial capacity and our cosmic capacity. Um, but we have to have all of it. And that's one of the thing about the frameworks. If you look at Ayurveda and the chakra system, we start with the root chakra. We go up through the body, the solar plexus, the heart. We have the crown chakra, which goes up and out to space. We can't go up and out to space without having that root chakra grounded. So there's, you know, it's all connected and it all has to work together. You can't really have one without the other and have it be a holistic system functioning at its full capacity. Definitely. And don't you think it's interesting though, that as uh, people like Sasha Shulgin and Albert Hoffman and, and so many chemists throughout human history, we figured out, don't you think it's interesting that we figured out as humans how to isolate the chemical, the organic chemical aspect of these plants that create the effect that give you the results of whatever is individual to that plant. And then in a laboratory without the spirit of the plant chemically synthesize that exact same compound and it has in some cases not all cases but in some cases relatively the same effect isn't that strange and surreal in a way when you really put your mind to it and think about it as like the human ingenuity machine yeah i mean it is it's mind-blowing um i think that it all stems from stems <laughs> <laughs> wow, roots and stems. I know. I'm waiting. It all I'm stems from uh, what now? <laughs> it all stems from that original divine inspiration from the plant. If you look at like, how did humans roam the earth for all of these thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of years, knowing which plants were poisonous and which plants were medicine and which plants were food? How did we figure that out? It's really the same way we figured out which plants go in the laboratory, which plants can make you know, a headache remedy or a painkiller or whatnot. It's, it's all, it all began from that divine inspiration. It's just being used in different ways. And connecting with the spirit in some aspects, sitting with it, like you said, to get that 
download. You get the download, it's an absolute download from the plant spirit, and then suddenly you know that this strange herb has an effect on human kidneys, for example. And how did these shamanic people know that? How did these native cultures know that? They got these downloads. And it's not just trial and error, too, because I have read a story where uh, some native tribes here in America would follow animals in some cases when they broke their leg or if they had a severe gash or some physical ailment, they would follow them and, and watch what they did intuitively. And then they would see a bear grab certain herbs and smear it on a gash or use another herb to quell pain. And they were able to deduce that from observing natural phenomena in that way. Yeah, actually, there is an herb called OSHA. That herb was observed to be eaten, dug up, it's a root, dug up and eaten by bears when they first come out of hibernation. And if you look at the constituents of OSHA, it is a very warming, invigorating herb. It's going to get your metabolism going. It's going to get your digestion going. It's going to clear out the gunk in your lungs as you laid there sleeping in your cave for three months. It's a very, it's exactly the first thing you should take when you've been sleeping in a cave for a few months. It's perfect. And so I think that, yes, that was a very natural bridge for humans to watch. Wow. Why are the bears doing that? And what are the bears doing after that? And, um, what will that do if I take that? And then they were able to go on from there. Yeah. And I think there's another aspect too, and that is just sheer human intuition and also connection with divine consciousness. Because you think about these experiments that have been done, psychological experiments that have been done on young children where they are nutrient deficient or they have some ailment and they place certain foods in front of them, people that are doing the uh, experiment place certain foods in front of the children that have certain nutritional content and the ones that are deficient in certain elements or vitamins or minerals intuitively choose the foods that have those missing compounds. And then when they reach the point where their deficiency has been quelled, they then move on to a different Food. So maybe perhaps as humans, we're just intuitively feeling what is already in these plants because the information is just there, like a radio frequency that it's just transmitting. And then we're picking it up and we're just in this dialogue. Yeah, I think so. I think that that is very true. And I think that it's really hard for us to even imagine what the world was like. Can you really imagine the world? where there was not a single street or a street light or a screen Ooh. or an external buzzing noise coming from a dump truck backing up or a literally sheer raw, sheer raw nature and humanity. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I feel like, and I have felt this when I am, you know, deep in the forest or somewhere out away, you, it literally breathes and moves and speaks I think that we are moving at such a fast pace and so engrossed just by way of our everyday living in 
the paved world, the screen world, the technology world, all of that, like it's really hard for us to imagine how someone could intuit. But I believe that in a quiet world where that's what you were doing every day, every day, if you were looking for your food, making your implements to survive, all these different things, you're watching what's happening. You know exactly when you know, these certain plants come up, you see the migrations of certain animals, you know, do certain things at certain times. And you see the cycle, you see the entire cycle, which goes back to astrology. You could look at how all these parts of the year are different and how the plants move through the year and then how that correlates to your life. I think that it was much easier to be able to be intuitive with plants and to be able to listen and learn when you were in that kind of world. We were incredibly more psychic back then. And the information was coming from these plants and animals and just our natural space. It was coming down from, you know, it's just, it must have been an incredibly psychedelic experience. We're in some form of human development right now where there is all of that noise, you could say, around us. But we have to figure out tools to maintain that awareness within this, as Bob Marley would put it, the concrete jungle in this <laughs> and this uh, modern technological world with massive structures emitting all different kinds of frequencies everywhere, there has to be ways to maintain that. So is that where shielding comes into play? Well, I was going to say first that it's all still here. It's just that we have to look harder for it. We have to listen harder for it. We have to take time instead of it just being part of our daily rhythm. We have to make time to go out into the forest or to, you know, put your bare feet on the earth and really try to listen. Um, I think that shielding is important as well as just being aware of your surroundings in very simple ways can help attune you to the dandelion outside of your door or the tree that grows in your backyard and that those things are speaking to you just as they always have been. I think shielding can be really helpful if there's so much external noise you can't hear (laughs) what's going on besides that. Um, And there's some herbs that are great for that. Yeah. Talk about that. What are some of the herbs people should be taking? Let's get some really hot points out there because there's just so much. They're increasing, you know, 4G is going into 5G. There's just so much more. The Bluetooth signals are stronger than ever. I mean, go into a uh, department store and turn on Bluetooth. Go. I, I went to Best Buy and I wanted to test out a Bluetooth stereo speaker. I turned on Bluetooth in Best Buy, I know it's a technology store, but there was like 650 Bluetooth signals just like in that little space. So right. it's all around us. So let's give people some real powerful, potent choices to help them really block that stuff out and have that not just spiritual shielding and, and shielding from other humans energy, but also the EMF shielding as well, or really just all of the above. Let's just do all of the above. First on my list is always yarrow. Yarrow is the master shielder. Yarrow is a wonderful plant for creating boundaries, for knowing where your boundaries are, etheric and physical boundaries. Um, 
in a physical sense, yarrow is a styptic and stops bleeding. So you can see right there that physical signature for a boundary. Yarrow can be taken as a tea, a tincture. It is also a wonderful flower essence and works for shielding the etheric body, which would be more of your psychic self and those EMFs um, and, and those kinds of things that are bogging down sort of your invisible world. Um, on a physical sense, you might take a tincture or a tea for feeling physically grounded and having boundaries. Yarrow and the next couple herbs I want to talk about are all in the same class called alteratives. An alterative is a blood cleaner, a cleanser of the lymphatic system and the elimination system. So yarrow is in that category. Also red clover, dandelion, and burdock. And all of these plants are ridiculously common. They're the ones growing in the contaminated field, growing on the roadside, growing everywhere that you would think, hey, that place really needs to be cleaned up. That's where you'll find them. That, however, is not where you should pick them from. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but I think that those plants can be really helpful for boundaries because it's clearing out toxins. It's clearing the things that no longer serve you or never served you in the first place, but ended up in your body. And so I think that along with something like yarrow can be helpful for just maintaining your optimal human self without all the extra stuff that we have to live with. I mean, we have to come to terms that we live in a pretty contaminated world. There's pesticides, there's plastics, there's the EMFs you talked about. I mean, there's, there's the whole gamut of things. And here we are. Um, the plants are going to help us through that. So I think alternatives are great for that. Um, just a couple other things quick having good fats in your diet. This is not an herb, but things like olive oil, fish oils, whatever your high quality oil of choice is, uh, avocado oil. All those good fats are lining your myelin sheath, which is protecting you from those outside influences um, and helping streamline your so it's like a physical barrier, that yeah. myelin sheath. It's like you're talking about this different forms of shielding it, but then you're also now incorporating that last layer, <laughs> for lack of a better term, yeah. that last other understanding of the myelin sheath, which is another barrier that's a form of shielding. Yeah. You need that fat. It's fat. It covers your neurotransmitters. It covers every part of your body where messages are sent. And as an electrical being, messages are sent everywhere. You know, think if you have frayed wires on your cords, like that, you know, it's dangerous. It's a fire hazard. So I have a wacky example about that, but it st has stuck in my mind for, yeah, go for it. it has stuck in my mind for literally 30 years since the first day I heard it. So early on in a child development class, we were talking about the myelin sheath, which I had never heard of before. And the example was that babies who are born addicted to crack do not have their myelin sheath developed. That's something that is not able to develop under the influence of that substance in the womb. And when that baby is born, one of the symptoms they have is screaming, just full on screaming, 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 screaming. And the remedies they found are 
you know, swaddling and warmth and, and all these different things. And it was finally figured out that they have no myelin sheath and there's just an onslaught of information, stimulation coming to them and they have no way to protect themselves from it. Are they able to rebuild that? Is there a technique that they go from zero myelin sheath to some like those unfortunate crack babies? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's good fats has a lot to do with it. I mean, you know, breast milk's a great start and just, you have to build it through nutrition and so giving. So uh, if you don't have it, you can rebuild it from yes. zero and naturally is the body's ready for the fats. And once it gets the fats, here comes the myelin sheath. Yeah. I don't have the total science on exactly how that works. I'm not just disclaim there, but uh, yes. And that's why they found that the babies who were swaddled and, you know, held tightly in cozy blankets and given heat lamps and, you know, warm arms to rock in, those babies were able to calm down. And then I believe the rebuilding process could start from there once they were calm enough. But when you're freaking out, I mean, if you think of all the things we just talked about as far as, you know, toxins and um, just living in the modern world, if it's all coming at you and you have no barriers, you might be like that screaming baby. Is you, it's too much information and it's too, it's too harsh. I mean, it's so harsh on your system. And then when we look at what all the number one issues are, if I were to call every herbalist I know and say, okay, tell me who you saw this week and what their issues were. Nine out of 10 are going to be complaints of anxiety, nervousness, inability to sleep, inability to calm yourself down, grounding, you know, all of these things, which then translate into work issues, relationship issues, all of the things that happen when your body isn't able to run smoothly. So I think we're kind of just, we're in this really interesting, odd growth phase as humans right now, but I think it's really taxing on our physical and spiritual bodies. Yeah. And that's really why I brought it up is because it's really important to shield right now more than ever. There's so much tension. There's so much strangeness going on in the world. I don't really need to tell you what's going on. I think, you know, but at the same time, that's when the plants are showing up. That's when everyone's interested. The expansion of plant consciousness. Yes. yes. The awareness is expanding in response. There's a cause and effect. The response is then the plants coming back into our daily life. Yeah. So something that that author, Stephen Heron Buter, talks about is how nature is constantly responding to uh, perturbations in the environment, which is, um, I'm just going to give his example because I don't have a better one. Uh, he talks about a unicyclist and how if you're riding a unicycle or really even a bicycle or roller skates, you are constantly tweaking your body in order to not fall off of that object. Right. But you're not necessarily saying like, you know, move left, move right. Like turn your head to a half of a degree this way, turn your shoulder left to a quarter of a degree this way. It's just happening. Your body is responding to the bumps in the road or the wind that's blowing at you or the car that ran out in front of you, right? Like you're responding to your environment and plants are doing that all the time. And if you look at it on a larger cosmic sense, if you 
look at the earth as this living, breathing organism, it's responding to us. And so if we're in a state, if we're part of the earth, we're like the little crop over here and we're in this state of anxiety and nervousness and, and being bombarded by all these things we've created and don't know how to deal with yet, the earth is then going to respond with, okay, so here's some yarrow and check out this burdock and try some lemon balm and things that are going to help us get a handle. And I think we will get a handle. I'm not sure. I'm not going to put a year date on that. But I think eventually the balance will come because that's, I think it just will. Yeah. It's, it's the natural progression of things you would say as we move towards a better reality, you know, reality 2.0, as we talked about with Luke Sala, uh, it includes expanding the plant consciousness But what do you think as we go out into space, as we become a space-faring community, collective, as we become a space-traveling collective of organisms, the humans, we're going to grow plants on these other planets. So then it's going to be a different spirit, per se, same plant, but then what do you think that would change for the spirit of any plant if it was grown extra terrestrially and it was a terrestrial plant yeah that's really wild to think about i think that there's probably other plants on other planets already right so i mean why not i i don't see any reason why i don't even really see how there couldn't be exactly well then what do you think about some that that, that are like exclusive right to earth and have that earth signature i think that they're probably going to continue to embody that earth energy. I think their own cellular memory is going to broadcast that. There is something that herbalists talk about. I know my teachers talk about it, that when you ingest rosemary, say, or rose, you are ingesting every rose that has ever grown. You are taking in every yarrow that has ever lived and all the things that yarrow has ever learned or rose has ever learned that is all embodied in that current plant through that cellular memory. So I think that if you took a rose and you planted it on Mars or the moon or some other distant galaxy, I think that it would still hold that earth signature. However, being that plants are so intelligent it would probably at some point pick up the intelligence of where it's at and whatever plants are growing there naturally. Or if there aren't any yet, maybe, you know, that lemon balm is going to figure out how to be a (laughs) Mars lemon balm. And that might be a little bit different than an earth lemon balm. You know, I think it's going to depend on what's needed on Mars and where can lemon balm shine on Mars. Wouldn't it be uh, strange if, uh, Earth exclusive plants like wouldn't grow on any other planet except for Earth. Wouldn't that be a strange twist to the whole thing? It would be a strange twist. You know, just we we speculate, but you know. How, you know, sometimes when they talk about, say, a meteorite falling and it has, you know, particles from space or or some kind of thing on it. Right. Microorganisms. We could have been seeded with plants. Who knows? Maybe lemon balm didn't start on Earth at all. Man, that's something to think about. How about that? That's uh, some beyond right. the news right there. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, I mean, 
the same plants then could be all over the universe or at least all over our galaxy. Who knows? Maybe entirely possible. Maybe earth is like a terrarium for all of these incredible plants from around the galaxy or even the universe. We don't even know. It's just, there's so much we don't know, but it is really strange and awesome that no matter what ailment, no matter what part of the body, no matter what issue, pain or whatever, psychological, there's some natural remedy on planet Earth for that thing. Correct. Whatever it is, go down the list. Go down the list. Like a Rolodex, if you know what that is. Go down the list. <laughs> and you're going to find that every single one of them is treatable here on Earth with herbs, naturally. That's correct. Um, which could segue into how plant medicine and all of those plants that are here to help all of our ailments and whatnot, how they vary so differently than the counterparts that have been made synthetically and how we take them. How would you think they've, I mean, they vary obviously with, cause they don't necessarily have the spirit of the plant, but the, there is some functional aspect of it, but do they have the spirit of a plant? Maybe. Is it like a clone? I guess it'd be more like a clone. <laughs> Maybe it right? would be a clone, but I guess what I was trying to say is that we, the way that we use pharmaceuticals or any type of allopathic medicine is different than how an herb works on the body. You can use an herb allopathically. You can have a headache and take an herb for your headache and it might work, but herbs do not function in their full capacity when they are used to band-aid or to just cover a symptom. Herbs are working with the body in order to get to the root cause of the issue. I see. So they're not then really supposed to be used in a Western medicine type of sense, like going to the drugstore and getting some Tylenol or aspirin but people are using it that way. Like that kind of is 80%, 90%. I'm sure there's some very knowledgeable people that have a spiritual perspective on herbs, but I would say going to a natural food store, 80 to 90% of people are using herbs in that same way. Do you think it's, it's only, it's only a partially then beneficial because of that. And it could be more beneficial if they opened up more. I think it could be more beneficial. I think that because of the way our society is currently structured and it's sort of an expectation if you have, you know, we'll use the headache example. If you have a headache and you go to the drugstore and you get this pill and you take it, then you might just translate that and say, well, I'd like to use herbs. So I have a headache, so I'm going to go to the natural food store and I'm going to get this herb and take it for my headache. That would be an across the board type of thinking. Um, a lot of times people will say herbs don't work. Oh, I tried that willow bark for my headache. It didn't work. The reason is, is that willow bark, though it has been synthesized into what we now use as aspirin, is not at all the same. It doesn't work like that. A headache can't just be turned off by willow bark. And so you have to go deeper and say, well, why do you have a headache? When do you have a headache? Is it worse at morning? Is it worse at night? Is it after you eat? Is it before you eat? Is it when you're stressed? Is it when you 
you know, is it when it's Thursday? All of those things are looking at what's causing this headache in the first place. And that takes a lot of digging that has nothing to do with taking an herb or anything. So that's kind of why some people think it's almost like snake oil, not blue cover CBD oil. (laughs) But they uh, think it's snake oil because it's not instantly effective in the way that they think it should be. And so therefore they write the whole thing off. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, I mean, herbs are very safe. However, there are times when herbs can exacerbate symptoms. Um, And that is where we get into the whole world of energetics. And that's how you pick what plants are going to work for you. If you have a headache that is a hot headache versus a cold headache, you, you could kind of sense what the difference in those kind of headaches would be, right? So if you take a hot herb and you're like, ah, oh, this, this herb's supposed to work for headaches and it's a hot herb and you have a hot headache, it might not help your headache. In fact, it might make your headache worse. In the very least, not better at all. So there's there's sympathetic medicine and antipathetic medicine where and it and it all depends. I mean, and that's where you can kind of really get into the nitty gritty of fine tuning what plant is going to work for you is what energetic system are you in? What temperature system are you in? And there's an herb that will fit that puzzle piece perfectly, but you have to do some digging to kind of figure it out and also figure out what's the reason for the pain, not just right. that you're having once you, pain. Once you find the herb, then you're, there's another journey to take place. It's the journey to the root of the problem. Right. Which is the ultimate journey of healing. That's, that is the healing. Stopping the pain isn't necessarily the healing. It's just stopping the pain so you can go to work or go to bed or, or whatever. But figuring out why you have that headache every day and then never having the headache again once you figure it out and perhaps the plant ally that can help you on that journey, that's the healing. Interesting. Well, I mean, that's kind of a shamanic perspective, right? They always say go within to find the healing, you know, heal yourself. And then that's my motto. Yeah. <laughs> heal yourself. That's right. And uh, vinyl force herbs. And then you heal yourself and then you have these herbs as allies. They're there helping you. They're, they're your, your herbal buddies. That's The right. spirit of these plants. They certainly are. Um, so, you know, and that's not to say that it's wrong. Like, I don't want to say like, oh, you can't go to the natural food store and get yourself some turmeric or, or you know, whatever. Uh, you have a test. Don't take rosemary. You know, it, it, it's not it's not a bad idea. And I think that using herbs is always going to help you learn about yourself. I think that when you take an herb, no matter whether you're just taking it for a symptom or whether you're ready to dive into your journey of healing, I think you're going to learn something about yourself. And I think sometimes it's that first herb that you find. If you've you know, got these digestive issues and someone suggests that you try some burdock or some dandelion. And so you go to the natural food store and you get some. And I think that that plant is a gateway for the rest of the plants and the rest of your journey. And it might be a very unassuming one. It might be a louder one, but like you were saying earlier. Yeah. I think that that is a gateway. So I think it's great to pay attention to what is the primary symptom that you have or have had 
that led you to try out an herb? And what was that herb? And what did you learn from it? And if you felt like it didn't work, what'd you do next? And maybe was there another herb you could try or was there a reason or were you not ready to heal that? Did you want that headache every day for some reason? <laughs> because you didn't want to look at, you know, what the deeper issue is. So well, there's all you, kinds of things. What do you think about herbs that are pretty volatile, but just available over the counter to everyone? I've heard that St. John's War specifically can have intense psychological effects it affects people completely differently. Some people feel euphoric. Some people have complete breakdowns in some cases, depending on their mental constitution. What are some of the herbs that people should just be aware that they're super volatile and, you know, use them at your own risk, but just understand that you're kind of playing with something very powerful. What are some of those herbs? Yeah, there are some powerful herbs out there. St. John's word is Literally the perfect example. St. John's wort, I believe, has more contraindications with other pharmaceuticals and... Um, contraindications meaning reactions? Contraindications meaning reactions, meaning you should not use this herb if you're taking this drug. If you're okay. taking SSRIs, you should not take St. John's wort. There are other... So many other medications that you should not. Aside from contraindications with other pharmaceuticals, there's a lot of just physical capacities. You should not take St. John's wort if you have A, B, C, D, E, F, G uh, ailments. There's like, you have, you'll have to look it up for yourself to see if your ailment is contraindicated with St. John's wort or not. <laughs> well, what are some of the other ones though that are kind of more below radar, but yet just out there? I think that a lot of the really hard hitting herbs that have become popular for their antibiotic effects, such as golden seal, echinacea, tea tree oil, oregano oil. Those types of plants I feel like can be really misused because again, they're being used allopathically. You're like, I have a cold, I'm gonna drink a whole bottle of oregano oil. Oregano is a powerful antimicrobial. You can clear out your entire gut from all good bacteria and, you know, your microbiome just as if you took antibiotics. So you have to be careful with how you take things and why you take things. Golden seal and echinacea is another common combo that became really popular. I know it became really popular in the late nineties. I remember that was suddenly everywhere. Echinacea and golden yeah, seal. Do you remember totally. that? Yes, if totally. you have a cold, if you have, you know, any number of things, take those two things. And they were popularized and then they got to be almost on the brink of extinction due to this popularization. And they're really, when you look at them in their constituents, they're not really being taken for what they should be. Golden seal is a tonic herb. It tones your tissues. It tightens your tissues. If you have, say, a cold where you're sneezing all the time, you're sneezing because your body's trying to get rid of stuff. So if you immediately take a bunch of golden seal and dry up all of your mucous membranes to the point of practically cracking, that didn't help get out all of the microbes that your body was trying to rid yourself of. You might feel better in the moment. I'm not sneezing anymore. However, you may have just driven that into a different body system. Now, maybe you've got some other ailment in another part of your body that comes along 
And it's really just that same issue manifesting in a different way. So there's, you know, I mean, that's another lengthy example, but there's, um, I would just say, be careful with a lot of those heavy antibiotic types of herbs. Um, there are times you may want to use a strong herb rather than taking an antibiotic. Um, but just like taking an antibiotic, know that you need to be careful and that you need to replenish your system and rebuild your gut biome when you are done taking that medicine. Yes, that's very uh, astute to point out because people don't realize that they're taking these really powerful herbs and they were, like you're saying, in everything. And then there's that second step of rebuilding what you've wiped out. There's so many layers to it. Yeah, absolutely. So I like to, in my practice, use herbs that I am familiar with and that grow around me. And often that can also be used in cooking or you see them in culinary use. Those herbs are generally super safe and really have no less powerful of an effect. I have seen over my 27 years, so many fads come in and out. The goji berry, turmeric, shisandra, golden seal, ginseng, Siberian ginseng, ashwagandha, like all these different herbs, the whole adaptogen thing. Like you've got to take adaptogens, you know, that'll rebuild your system when you have adrenal fatigue. Um, We've kind of come to find out as herbalists after watching the adaptogen craze that everyone was really just taking herbal coffee all day long and continuing to wipe out their nervous systems and their adrenal systems. And that that rebuilding is super important. The rest and recovery is more important than the energizing. So in looking at all of these trends and fads and herbs from around the world, I really found after experimenting with with all of those, it's really the herbs in your backyard and your own community that often serve you best. Wow. The ones that are just around you, like you were saying, like uh, cosmically and synchronistically in your energy field, your three-dimensional space, your community. I, in my blends have a lot of mint family herbs in them. Lots of different mint family herbs. Where do I live? I live in the Pacific Northwest, probably the most favorite place besides the Mediterranean coast of the mint family herbs. There's something that grow abundantly, which growing abundantly means they are in their most vital force. They have the most essential oil content. They're happy here. They grow here. They're happy. Um, a while ago, I experimented with the shisandra berry, which is called the five flavor berry in Chinese medicine. It's like an everlasting gobstopper. You can suck on it and you'll get the sweet taste, the sour taste, the bitter taste, the spicy taste, uh, forgetting what the fifth one is. Anyways, uh, it's a really cool herb and it's a driver. You can put it in any concoction of herbs and it will help those other herbs work better. It's really cool. But guess what? It doesn't grow here. It only grows in China and perhaps a couple other places with similar ecosystems on the eastern side of the world where I do not reside. I loved what that plant did, but it always felt it always felt like I had to acquire it. I was trying to figure out where to ship it from, you know, how I could 
perhaps grow it in my windowsill from a seed I got from halfway around the world. And it just never really felt like it was fully in its power for me. And so I think there's something to be said for that, for the plants that grow near you, um, that they're meant for you. And that's what's kind of in your 13 blends, if I remember correctly, 13 blends of vinyl force, 11 blends, 11 blends and some salves, but the 11 blends of vinyl force herbs, all of the herbs are grown in your garden, but also they're all local and having that local energy. They're all regional and having that, that regional power of being in their home base, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. I do that as much as I can. I cannot say a hundred percent of my formulas are from herbs in my yard because I can't grow things like cinnamon and cardamom. There's a couple of things that I just find essential to my formulas and my practice that I do have to borrow from other parts of the world, but they're a minimal aspect. Whereas I would say 90% are, are something that grows in my bioregion. Well, it seems like it's important to do that because there's probably herbs I'm imagining, like you said earlier, uh, with echinacea and golden seal being over harvested. We know recently that sage is being over harvested, but what are some of the other things that are being over harvested that were once plentiful in the herb world because of these medicines? Um, first of all, I'm going to say there's a really great website for that. It's called unitedplantsavers.org. It was started at least in part by the current grandmother of, of herbalism, Rosemary Gladstar, one of my favorite herbalists and teachers. And there is an ever growing and changing and updated list of herbs that are either on a watch list for becoming in danger or already in danger. Uh, Golden seal and echinacea, as we mentioned before, have definitely been on and continue to be on that list. And so if you see them in formulas, make sure that you see that they are cultivated varieties. Um, There are a lot of farms. I know there's a farm down in the Willamette Valley that grows golden seal for a lot of um, herbal companies so that they're, you know, that they're getting that from a sustainable source. Osha root is one that I know of off the top of my head that has been in that situation. It's an herb that uh, grows on the mountainsides it's the root that is used. And when you take a root from a plant, you are taking that plant's life. So um, there's a lot of roots that are definitely part of that endangered or soon to be endangered group. So it's good to check um, with the United Plant Savers for things like that. And what's wonderful about herbs and how they're always ever changing is that there's usually an herb that you can find that is plentiful and provides the same action or a similar action because there's just that much plant life out there. Yeah, there is for Osha. There is a relative of Osha called Oshala. There's another relative called Lomatium. Both of those are more plentiful, have similar actions, are more easily renewable. And maybe they don't grow as you know deep on the mountainside as, as Osha does. So there's things like that. Um, Echinacea can often be replaced by red clover. Red clover can be grown yearly in a field, tons and tons and tons and tons of it uh, is in no danger of, of uh, you know, being in danger. 
So yeah, there's always great substitutes and other plants that can be used. Well, that's good to know because, you know, you think about how many humans are on the planet and if we all really started to take a natural path with our medicines, there would definitely be a need there. But of course, Napoleon Hill and Wallace D. Waddles, you know, those great authors would tell you that when there's a need presented uh solution presents itself that won't destroy us or the planet so absolutely i think, I think, I think that's, that's so possible. true well there's so much we can talk about i know you do have to get going but is there anything else you want to tell people as we go to just kind of point them in the right direction if they're really wanting to learn more about just herbalism in general uh where would you point them i would probably point them to the nearest garden or garden center to go find what plant calls out to them and to bring it home with you and plant it and have it as a tea and uh, read about it, sit with it and see where it takes you. Oh man. Well, everyone, you should do that. Sit with these herbs and check out Vinyl Force Herbs. I do want to tell people, Bryn, where to find you, of course, and to find your 11 blends. Uh, Vital Force Herbs, V-I-T-A-L-F-O-R-C-E-H-E-R-B-S. I spelled it all out for you. VitalForceHerbs.com. You can order there. And, you know, Blue Cover CBD. We love Blue Cover CBD. You can always check those guys out, too. I always have to give them a shout out. And everyone... It's been an incredible episode. I hope you learned something like I always say. I always hope you learned something with every episode. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Midnight on Earth. Thanks, everybody.